0: All right. Well, good uh, afternoon.
1: No, it's 10.58. It's morning. It's before 11. Uh,
0: So welcome to, this is actually take two of episode two of Overtime. Uh, If you joined us on Tuesday, you might have noticed some technical difficulties we had. We still might be having some internet issues, but we're pretty sure we've got it figured out this time. So uh, this is kind of round two where we are going to kind of go through those questions and then be able to post this on our our, uh, media channels. Um, So that you can watch this, you can listen to it, you can check out our podcast, and all the different things that are happening. So thank you for joining us once again if you're watching this live. uh, If you watched the first one, well, now you get a bonus content.
1: Yeah, so the real reason we're doing a second one is because in the first one I said there are no dumb questions, only dumb people. We had had to cut it completely. That's not actually the reason. Uh, But I want to kind of clarify there are no dumb people they're just uninformed people which is the purpose of this podcast to help inform you thank you so So, ben uh, why don't you jump in so
0: as we kind of jump into this just a reminder of what overtime is because this is only our second one Uh, basically what overtime is the idea behind it is that we're going to take the content that was maybe left over or left on the cutting room floor is kind of what we've said uh stuff that didn't quite make it to the weekend services we want to be able to talk about that here as well as answer any questions that people might have. So we've got a list of of questions, and before we jump into that, we'll probably do a a quick recap. But I do wanna just say thank you to every single person that came out last night for the Trails Retreat. Uh, It was, what I would say, was a great success. We had a ton of people show up, probably even more than what we expected. I would guesstimate, we haven't even had this conversation, maybe, 2,000,
1: 2,500 people total. Yeah, the pastor numbers are dangerous. Yeah. So um, that that's part of the problem. Uh, yeah, but here's what we know: we know a couple things. We didn't. We in the we'll do it again next year, so we'll have yeah. some different ways to do metrics. Um, part of me wants to joke. We will leave the numbers to the Lord, but it would have be, been nice to know. We know we have a little over five hundred parking spots yeah. in our parking lot, and. We, I, I ended up using a lot more than just our parking lot. So our grass, our streets, all those things. And we also know that we ordered a thousand flashlights Kara is saying there's a thousand flashlights uh, that they gave out thinking, okay, a thousand folks that'd be really good for the trails. And those are gone in 15 minutes. Yeah, that's
0: pretty
1: amazing. So, so, um, about 650 cars, you say four people per car, maybe then you're looking at 2,500, but then there's some rotation. So greater than 1500 for sure. Uh, under 5,000, somewhere in there, 3,500, something like that. So, whatever it was, really, really exciting. Yeah. It was yep. exciting. So, so, good job. You good you job, church. Everybody. Yeah, way to bring candy, any all group, up. Yep.
0: Any people that kind of stuff. Anybody that was involved in that in any ways, thank you so much. A special thank you to Carrie and for Molly for putting that together. Um, just a lot of work that went into that. Uh, yep, they, absolutely. They were the champions of that. So, um, pretty excited. And again, thank you for that. Another thing that we want to let you know about is that today, this morning, uh, the Bravely honest podcast dropped that's by carrie Beerline and then megan graff our worship director and our community our community connections director sorry carrie want to make sure i get the title right community connections
1: director correct
0: so that is by them it's kind of specifically for women not that men can't listen but uh it's specifically for women so that actually came out today so that will be releasing periodically we'll let you know when those come out so uh be sure to check that one out today you can find that at at clcfamily.church slash media. You can find that there. Uh, and then just one other reminder, we said this on Tuesday when we went live, but just want to make sure that this is on the record. We've changed kind of the, the search title for our our podcast. So if you go to either Apple um, Podcast, if you go to Spotify or uh, anywhere else. If you search clcfamily.church, you'll be able to find our podcast. So that information is found there. So we did change the name. What we recognize is that Christian Life Center, there was a hundred different Christian Life Centers. It was a little bit hard to find ours. So by changing it to clcfamily.church, it's easy to find our website as yeah. well as it's easy to find our podcast, or at least that's the hope. So that is kind of all the the review or the recap that we have. Yeah. What I would like to do is just kind of for you to kind of bring everybody up to speed on what we talked about
1: this past Sunday and Saturday. So if it didn't look like I was listening to Ben, as you were listening to Ben, it was because I wasn't listening to Ben as you're listening to Ben. I, yeah. I'm so sorry. I, it's because it's now Thursday and I've already moved on to this week's message. So I'm like, Oh man, what do we talk about this past week? So I was trying to pull up my notes on my, on the computer. And so I, I, I do have them in front of us. Um, so this past weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, um, we looked at John chapter 3, beginning part, a uh, week before we looked at John chapter 3, the last part where it says he must increase, uh, I must decrease this idea that um, uh, light and darkness don't coexist, and wherever light shines, darkness flees, so the idea is to invite Jesus into our life, every part of our life, and as that happens, um, uh, we we uh, the mess in us starts, starts to decrease, right, so it's not, let's not focus on the decrease, let's focus on the increase, and Jesus actually explains how that process happens, and what he says is that process happens by being born again. He actually tells us in the scriptures, you won't see the kingdom of God, and you won't experience the kingdom of God, or enter the kingdom of God, unless you're born again. So this past week, we really looked at what it meant to be born again, kind of looking at the scriptures with uh, Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Really, really cool story. Uh, In that story, Nicodemus is uh, brilliant, and yet Uh, Clueless, uh, you know, religious leader come in saying, Hey, uh, how in the world do we figure out how to uh, uh, see and experience the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, uh, In order to do that, you got to be born again. So we looked at, uh, okay, what exactly does or how exactly does that work? Uh, And then, okay, why does that happen? And then, okay, what's actually happening? So the, the how is Jesus does all the work, right? So he actually. He saves us. He gives us the faith to save. He actually reaches out to us. The why, and the neat thing about this passage, this really is where we get John 3, 16. And Jesus says, for God so loved the world, right? So we understand the why God does this because he really loves us. So the how is Jesus has the work? Well, why, does, why is Jesus willing to do all the work? Because he loves us. And so what does he do? He gives us a gift. Just by the understanding a gift, for God so gave the world, right? It means we have to receive it. That's our part in a gift. You don't pay for a gift. You don't barter for a gift. You don't negotiate. None of those things. You just receive it. So to be born again, Jesus does a work. We receive it. That's, and you go, why? Well, because God loved us. And the big piece is going, okay, well, well what actually happens? And as that happens, there's this progression for us where we uh, become a new person, slowly but surely, cumulative effect. And, uh, sorry, looked at this, uh, new mind, you get a new mind. You actually start to see things differently. You get a new family. Uh, you get a new power. Really interesting. God says he gives us the spirit, same, uh, spirit, the same power that he used to conquer the grave, meaning come back to life. He now puts in us to allow us to be a new person, a new purpose. Now we view the world through a different lens. We view our jobs through a different lens. We do all those things. And then finally the, the new desires, which is the piece I really want us to get. It, it's this progression from have to, to get to, to want to. So have to means uh, we feel like there's this obligation we have to earn our salvation, right? I have to go to church. I have to read the Bible. Well, when Jesus makes himself known to us, we realize, wow, the God of the universe is now uh, revealing himself to us and reaching out to us. And now all of a sudden we get to talk to the God of the universe. Every time we pray, uh, we should think about it in in light of that. That's where, you know, we get these... uh, wrote prayers um, before dinner, God is great, God is good, less thing for food, amen, right? But to pause and think, we get to talk to the creator of the universe. But what eventually happens for us, you know, the long progression is, not. no longer is it not have to or get to, it's want to, like we'll see that we want to worship God. We want to sing to God. We want to pray to God. We want to read his words. And so just trying to help people see that progression as it kind of plays out. So that's, that was it.
0: Uh, One of the things that you did two weeks ago and even kind of brought back for this past week more as a review was using the uh, the water and the oil kind of illustration yeah. and this is just more of a fun I guess I like poking fun at uh what I already know the answer to uh was that two weeks ago you said you would ruined a pair of
1: pants did you do that again this this past week it sounds kind of weird to go I, I ruined a pair of pants <laughs> I don't think that's usually a correct yeah. record but you did ask the same question on Tuesday so yeah. I appreciate yeah. you recycling the poking fun thing that's right. uh yep lost a pair of khakis two weeks ago and then uh I forgot to take the rag up uh, during one of the services on Sunday. And so I just had these slimy hands and I was like, I don't know what to do. And one of my problems when I teach is I touch my face because I, I have no idea why I do it. And so I, did, I was wiping all down my jeans. So I, I do think I lost a pair of jeans for the deal, but I love you guys and you're worth it. Two
0: times. So, um, we can start a fun thing for your later. That's right. That's Whatever. right. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things as we jump into the questions that I really appreciate and really love seeing is that while some of the questions that we have tie directly into the message, some of them are just kind of more general questions. And really, that's what this podcast is about. Not just about what happens on Sunday, but just a place and an opportunity for you to be able to ask questions to Josh, yeah. or really staff members, yeah. maybe staff can kind of weigh in, in different podcasts. Um, so we've got a couple of those uh, that tie directly into the message, great, great. some that don't. So let me just jump in. I, I tried to kind of pick some of the same order. This isn't completely, you know, spontaneous because we did this recording on Tuesday, but really it's not like we've practiced it since then.
1: Oh, I've practiced in front of the mirror. Oh
0: man, I guess I'm just behind that. You are. Um, But let me just ask some of the questions. I tried to put them in, in what seems like a good order. But, uh, the first question that, that we'll tackle, tackle is this. It says, how does forgiveness work? I say that I've forgiven, but it keeps coming back. So have I actually forgiven or, um, so I say I've forgiven again and again. Clearly, I have not forgiven, and then it just says help. So, how would
1: you answer that? One, good job. I actually think uh, there's so much um, neat stuff that happens when we make that statement at the end, help. You know, uh, like yeah. one, thanks for inviting uh, inviting us into this. Uh, I, I think really the the beginning of our relationship with Jesus uh, starts with that of us acknowledging that we need help, right? And so that that's pretty neat, I think. And two, forgiveness is very complicated. It's a because Uh, God tells us that we should forgive. It's 70 times seven, you know, like all, like, I don't know if that means you had to do it 490 times, or that just kind of is a number that's so extreme that you go, oh, wow. So I I think there's a couple of things to think about. The first one I would say is that the the root of forgiveness is not us to other people, but Jesus to us, right? And so when you think about forgiveness, uh, first and foremost, the idea is, um, in fact, the scriptures kind of talk about this, this idea that unless you forgive, you're not forgiven, meaning, there is something about your understanding of what Jesus has done for us uh, that makes it easier for us to do that, right? And so kind of at the, at the crux of that is this understanding that God is very gracious to us, that we don't deserve forgiveness, that we have uh, literally you know, been defiant to this God for most of our life, and yet he, in his gracious love, this is where it gets to no longer have to get to but want to, I, this this God who just forgives us. So uh, first and foremost, forgiveness has to kind of begin with, do you believe and wholeheartedly understand that God has um, – relinquished you from all the consequences of our actions, right? So uh, you got two different terms we use in the, in the scriptures. One is mercy. The other is the grace as we talk about our relationship with God. Uh, mercy is not having to pay the consequences that we deserve to pay, right? We, uh, The Bible says the wages of sin is death, meaning the consequences we deserve to pay is death. So mercy is saying you don't have to pay the consequences. And as a result of Jesus going, I'll pay them for you. So that's mercy. Grace is um, kind of the, the other side of the coin. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. So uh, mercy is not paying for what you deserve to pay. Grace is getting something instead. It's like going, hey, not only are you not going to be grounded for your behavior, you get ice cream, right? And so there's these two understandings. Do, you, do we understand that that's what God does for us? And then then on the second side of that is, do we understand the gift that God's given us? And I would just say that there are two different pieces of forgiveness that are really beautiful. One's mercy, one's grace. So as we look at other people, the but forgiveness is not accepting behavior um, or forgiveness is not um, condoning it or um, having to be best friends with the person who did yeah, it to you. And I
0: think that's really important yeah, if I can yeah. just kind of jump in. Yeah, there. please do. I think that, that forgiveness piece, a lot of times for me, I remember that it was like, I, I, you forgive and you forget. And I always had a hard time while well, I can't really forget. Like, yeah. I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm whatever, you know, I don't have a specific name. Yeah time in mind, but I don't want to forget because that really hurt or I set myself up for that or they took advantage of me in a certain way that it, it was like, well, I don't want that to happen again. So that forgive and forget for me was always a stumbling block. Yep. So you're saying that to, to separate those out, that it's not forget, it's forgiving.
1: Yeah. So even in Proverbs, it's such a beautiful passage. It says like a dog returns to its vomit, a fool returns to its folly. It actually is foolish to continue to put yourself in a spot where that abuse or whatever it is continues to happen. So forgiveness isn't about just going, that never happens. We got to be best friends anymore. Here's what it is. If mercy is not having to pay the consequences that we deserve to pay, forgiveness is merciful. It's saying, um, I don't, I no longer care if you get punished for your behavior. No longer is it about the consequences. uh, Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Justice belongs to the Lord. I no longer am interested in seeing you be punished for this. So uh, forgiveness is literally going at this point in my life, I've, I've no interest in seeing you having to pay the penalty for the behaviors that you had. That doesn't mean we're best friends. It just means I am relinquishing control of the desire for that and setting up. So if you're going, I have a hard time forgiving, then is it because i I have a hard time forgiving. Is it because I need to figure it out? You, you're gonna to to speak louder. We're,
0: we're getting feedback that I am hard to hear, so I'm trying to make sure that I sound loud enough. So
1: that was on purpose. I'm the one who set up the mics. <laughs> um, that, with that is true. Oh, really? <laughs> That's so funny. It's because I'm speaking so close to it. So anyway, um, so we're talking about forgiveness, and and so in the forgiveness, it's, I uh, can you get to a point. I don't, that you no longer want them to be punished for their behavior. Now, that's the mercy piece. That's really beautiful. The grace piece is kind of um, interesting because we go, well, how do I'm not ready to be gracious to them. I'm not talking about grace to them. God's grace to you is that you can walk away from that. So I don't know who says it, but someone says forgiveness is letting a prisoner go and then finding out you are that prisoner, right? There's something about being enslaved to this. So God is so gracious to us in freeing us from uh, the need to do that. Now, what eventually happens, so this is cumulative effect. We're talking about long-term. Not only will you eventually move and you go, no longer do I care about this. I understand what God said for me. I no longer want you to feel the punishment for it. But the second part of that is eventually you can go, and God, I wouldn't mind you blessing them. Like you can look into someone's life. Maybe it's a parent or old friend and go, I really wish that they would get to experience the joy and forgiveness that the Lord offers. So there is this piece that eventually kind of uh, mercy goes, I don't want them to pay for it anymore. Eventually there goes, and God, I would love for you to bless them. In fact, what I would challenge you to do as you kind of work through forgiveness is look at that person and and even go that far and go, God, would you bless them? Would you in this moment bless them?
0: Yeah, and even as you're talking about it, like, I don't know, maybe it was just my impression as a a young child or whenever I first heard forgive and forget, what you're talking about is more of a process Whereas God is kind of working in you, as you're kind of your heart's changing and he's doing work in you, then your heart begins to change towards that other person. As a child, I always looked at forgive and forget was immediate. Yep. Like both of them were simultaneously happening and all of a sudden I forget and I just kind of continue on. But yours, it, I feel like you're saying it's more of a process that happens that eventually, hopefully you'll get to that point.
1: Yeah, so I think the whole the whole gospel life is like, I think we've said you pray the prayer, everything gets fixed, and it's just that's just not the case. Like it's a it's a progression. That's why I love talking about the word sanctification. It means at some point God is going to make us who He wants us to be. No, that's heaven. That's heaven. I think we'll get to that in a couple of other questions. Right. But this process is going little by little, day by day. What I talk about sometimes is going. No one says when I grow up I want to stand on the street corner and sell drugs to kids. No one. That's no one's dream, and yet we know that it happens. Why? Little by little, day by day, there's just this progression. And so this process of forgiveness and grace and walking in this new life is you wake up every day going, God, you have forgiven me. How How do I live in that newness? Now, the last piece of forgiveness where I'm finding some or two actually, I'm gonna give you two thoughts uh, that I'm finding some value in this. One is, um, I saw the smirk on your face, they saw it too. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, of course, two more thoughts, not just one more thought. I thought, it. yeah, count that's counts. what it's like I've got one, not no, two. two. So, oh, is that what it was? Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, just always talking, talky, talky guy. Yeah. That's what my daughter what calls me. Okay. Saying, okay. Thanks, Ben. Um, so one is, I believe for me, um, where forgiveness as where I've done well and have done poorly, those are the two thoughts. So, I'm gonna tell you both sides. One is this awareness I have, right. I am deeply aware of how broken I am, right? I, I mean, this is messy. And in fact, it actually helps even when people talk bad, like they say something and I go, that's not true. But I go, but if they knew all of me, they'd have a lot better things to right. talk about me about. You know, this is awareness. And so it's going, like, God has been so gracious to me, therefore others. Now, where I still struggle is this idea that somehow I can help people with their flaws, right? So forgiveness is no longer about, no longer do I want you to be punished, but boy, if you'd listen to me, I could help you fix that. And my life would be better if you'd fix that. Right. So this idea that I still struggle with playing God, I don't care if they're punished, but boy, I don't want to have to deal with that anymore. So if I could convince them how to change their behavior, they just got to listen to me. Yeah. And so it's no longer about wanting them punished, it's going, but you did this thing that was a grievance to me. And if life was better, then I would do that.
0: Right, kind of along that question, uh, along the lines of forgiveness was another question that I think ties, ties well into this. And uh, this person said that they thought it was an ex- excellent review and a powerful demonstration. Thank you, um, Mom. <laughs> and then the, the question was, is it's, uh, the question is, all sins are forgiven. Is this except those committed in God's name? Uh, what's the true unforgivable sin? And what I I believe that they're referring to is what uh, uh, Matthew 12 and then Mark 3 kind of talk about this instance where uh, there's blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. So I think that is kind of what they're asking where Jesus said that that was the unforgivable sin. So like talk about the unforgivable sin or how we talk about forgiveness and our lives being forgiven by Christ yet. Here's this kind
1: of contradiction. Yeah. it seems like that there's an unforgivable sin. Yeah, so two thoughts real quick there. Let me just clear up the one that it's not. It's not suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people want to dangle that one. I understand it. Yeah. it Feel some control in that, got some fear. Don't want that to happen to someone. So boy, let's figure out how to help them uh, not do that. Um, and that kind of results of well, if you're sinning when you die, then does that mean that you're going to hell? And well, other problem with that is if you run off a cliff, you know, as you're driving, and your last words are not "Praise Jesus," right? Then am I in the middle of you know those things, and therefore, this result uh, of you know, being disconnected to God for all eternity? Is that what God means here? That something that, first of all, suicide is someone in their their deepest pain and weakness and a place that I'd say mental illness, not in a uh, not in a stigma. We all got it. We all have these issues with our brain, and so to be in that deep dark spot and. I, I don't believe at all that's what the scripture are saying. And so um, what we do understand is if it's always about we have to have forgiveness of every single thing, every single time or we stand uh, you know, in wrong standing with God, it's just different than what Jesus says on the cross, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Right. So his his uh, it's a once and for all, just as Adam got us into this, that's what the scriptures say in Romans, Jesus gets us out of it. So right. as long as we receive that gift, it's just kind of the confidence we get to walk in from this point forward. Now, um, so when you think about very specifically, what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Well, one of the things we understand about uh, salvation is it's a gift from God, right? right? It's a it's faith from God to us. And the way by which, the conduit by which that is made known is, uh, we understand the Scriptures, is the Spirit, right? The Spirit is reaching out to us. The Spirit right. is wooing us. The Spirit is drawing us to Himself. And so if the Spirit is drawing us to Him, that means He's calling us. Uh, the way that it says it in Revelation is, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus talking. And I will enter. and I'll If you open the door, I'll enter and dine with you. No. The reality is, um, what forgiveness is, is, is Jesus entering our life and uh, transforming us, right? right. Giving us uh, right standing. So what happens is, uh, the Bible says, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. Why? Faithful and just. So faithful, God means he's always doing it. Just means it's the appropriate thing to do. What Jesus is saying in that moment is saying, I am standing on behalf of this person as their intercessor, right? As the, like, I'm standing as a substitute, meaning I am paying the price they deserve to pay. Mm-hmm. Now, how does that happen for us? Well, it's because Jesus enters us, and what happens is God sees Jesus in us. Now, if he's saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if, no one, and if anyone opens the door, I'll enter and die with him, and them with me. Um, what happens if you don't open the door? Well, Jesus doesn't enter. Right. What happens if you don't open the door? Well, the Spirit doesn't come. Now, right, right. how often does he knock? Uh, daily? Monthly, quarterly, but he knocked a lot. And for us to stand on one side of the door and go, nope, spirit, stay out. Nope, want nothing to do with you like it's some solicitor, right? right. I don't want your magazines. I don't want whatever it is. right? What we are literally doing is we are blaspheming that spirit mm-hmm. that is drawing us to himself, is telling us to be children of God and be welcome into the kingdom. So if you lock the doors, put on the deadbolts, and say, I want nothing to do with you, Right. eventually get your wish and right. guess what happens right. as a result you don't get forgiveness because right. forgiveness only comes through the blood of the uh, blood of Jesus on the cross when he says Father forgive them right. so that's only people who accept and receive it.
0: And, and so that's what you're saying is that's more of a willful defiance it's not I think a lot of times people probably wrestle with that because they don't want to accidentally like blasphemy the Holy Spirit yeah. like that's what they're scared of is that they do something and then they'll, they'll right. not be forgiven but I think if they're even having that yeah. thought they're not yeah because that's not a willful defiance
1: of of Jesus yeah. Christ and His salvation. So, so two thoughts about that. Not one, but two. Okay. Cue the smirk. It's a smile. It's, it's a smile. smile. My mom likes it. Yeah, glad she does. Um. <laughs> so two two thoughts on this. Uh, one. Uh, it actually I just lost those thoughts. And was, <laughs> <laughs> two, no, no, no. We're gonna get them. I, I I do this sometimes, and let me just share this with you. Um. Sometimes you'll hear me say the same words over and over again. Like I'll do it two or three times. I'm going, okay, what do I got to do? So I don't always have everything memorized okay. in my <laughs> head. But there are uh, two distinct thoughts. One of the things I do say fairly often and maybe a little bit offensive that I'll say sometimes us stick our middle finger up at God. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that like I, I, I want to be cute with the language, but I literally think that's the language. When mm-hmm. we spend our time and energy going, nope, God, we like our plan better than yours. Right. We literally are sticking our middle finger up at the God of the universe, right, right. I would say that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You okay, Want nothing to do with you. Want nothing to do with you. So that doesn't mean when you do it once, you're done. It means right, right. if you spend the rest of your life saying you want nothing to do with God, you are going to get your wish right. and you will not be forgiven as the result of it. So you do have this peace there. And so the other part is that what you just said and going, okay, um, am I blaspheming or Am I doing what God wants? Does God want me to do this? And that fear that we have. So right. this is not on topic because God doesn't God isn't, you don't need to worry about forgiveness in that, right? No, there is, there's two different categories You're talking about sins of uh, commission, that, mm-hmm. the sins that we perform, right? right? Things we look at, say, do, right? And there's sins of omission, the things that we miss that God's drawing us to or calling us mm-hmm. to. And so, and that, let me just offer, I think, what's helpful in going, okay, should I do this? Should I not do it? I find so much comfort in, in Matthew chapter five, when Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount and he gives us the, you know. Rejoice to those who rejoice. Blessed are the, those who are you know, grieving. Sorry, wrong passage. Blessed are those who are grieving for they'll be comforted. One of the things he says, oh, blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. But one of them he says is blessed are the pure in heart for they'll see God. So to me, that's just beautiful going. God's not actually asking you to get it right mm-hmm. or understand things or have all the education or experience or know right. the whole Bible. He's right. just going, if you got a pure heart in this, if right. you go, God, I'm going to do this. Because I think you want me to, and I think it's pleasing to you. Or I'm not going to do this, because I think you don't want me to, and I think it's pleasing to you. Right. It's the purity in the heart that God right. reveals himself in. Right. So the reality is, your behavior isn't the thing that's going to mess it up. Right. It's actually looking into your own heart and saying, okay, God, is my heart pure in what I'm trying to do here? It's so. amazing that it comes full yeah.
0: back, full circle back to grace. Like, So it's that favor that we get that we don't deserve yeah. that he gives to us. So. Um, yeah, and uh, I, as I kind of looked at a couple commentaries, it, it looked like that that those two references in Mark chapter three and Matthew chapter twelve looked like it was a very specific time where the Pharisees saw exactly what Jesus was doing, saw that he was performing these miracles, and they willfully chose to kind of blasphemy against him and say that yeah. that was the work of Satan rather than yeah. of Christ. So. Um, kind of keeping it moving here. Um, next question is: Is this? It says, "Why did God create humans if He already knew that we would sin and the world would be
1: corrupt?" Um, I don't think God knew we'd sin. I think He was shocked. He was like, "Oh no!" Sorry, I don't. I, like that's not how He said that. I, no, I don't just think joking. So. I, I, um, obviously, God sees all things, knows all things, and so He was not surprised. He was not overwhelmed, and so it's actually pretty mesmerizing. And I think it will lead to this idea of uh, not have to get to and then eventually right. want to so um when we understand the scriptures that god exists in uh three distinct persons persons is the wrong language but i don't know else say you don't say three deities because you're like okay now we have to you know we have this you know this polytheistic worldview there's one god exists in three different parts persons is the language that's used a lot of times same way that uh, h2o is exists in ice uh and liquid form water and then you know um You know, it's vapor form or whatever it is, gas form and steam. And so we know that's all the same and yet different depending on how it plays out. So I'd say, yep, that's how we understand that the Godhead, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit just existed long before he did. And what we understand about their existence is... They had, they were in perfect community. Everything is perfect for them, right? They didn't need food, like they were completely right. sustainable. They had perfect community and perfect love. In fact, not only did they have perfect community and perfect love, they had infinite community and infinite love. Meaning, they had immeasurable excess. Like they mm-hmm. more, and so you go, what do you do with the excess? Well, you drop it off at Goodwill. You do it, something with it. You don't want to go in the trash. You don't want to go wasted. So all of us are trying to figure out what to do with our excess. So. What does God and the, the triune God do with all of his infinite connection, community, and love? He creates huh. subjects yeah. uh, to receive it all, which happens to be us. So, in one sense, he creates humans because he can just pour out his love and grace and compassion every single day. Pour out his forgiveness, pour out all those things. Every single day, it's just available to us. But that's just one piece of it. There's a, there's another piece I think is also pretty important, and, and that is how we kind of think about why you have kids, why, why we decide to have kids. It's, not because I think life's easier. Not because I think it would be less stressful. In fact, that I walked into this knowing it was going to cost us money and cost us time and cost us mm-hmm. stress and heartache. Right? And so I knew that my kids would be corrupt. Right? Because they got my DNA. Well, two of them. Did, right? So they got those genetics in the deal. And so just know that. You look at all human history and you just know that's the case. And you know that... And with kids, the days are long, but the years are short. And to so got all this stuff, and so I go back and go, "Why don't we decide to have kids?" Well, we were looking at other people and watching them have kids, and one night we thought, "This will complete us." We just saw the beauty of love and right. seeing these kiddos be raised into adults and spend our lives being friends with these folks and having community. We had this love that we wanted to share. So as we look at the God of the universe, He imagine looks at us and goes, "Okay, there's a couple things I have: infinite community." Infinite connection, infinite love. Someone needs to receive that. And guess what else he has? Infinite glory.
0: Right.
1: Someone else should look at this and notice it, right? That's yeah. why I'd argue when you look at the universe. Uh, is it about aliens out there? No. Why is it so big and vast then? Because God has infinite glory. Right. And so it makes sense that there would be someone who could worship yeah. and Marvel. celebrate that. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. That word awesome, right? right? Like, that's the also So, of course, God creates people to receive that and it. Experience it and to worship Him, and first and foremost, He does it because He actually wants to be connected in a relationship with us. So, in the beginning, you see that, and you see all the work mm-hmm. of the Scriptures are Jesus coming back to 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 redeem that. And it makes zero sense to me that the God of the universe would allow me close to Him. Right? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of questions of why. You know, how in the world can loving God send people to hell? First of all, He does it. People choose right. the blaspheme of the Spirit. right but I don't have that problem anymore. It's more the how could this perfect God want anything to do with me? Yeah. And so as I as I think about that, I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me that I don't have to because I can't earn this. But I get to worship God, and not only do I get to, I want to now in light of who He is and what He does in our yeah. lives. So. Yeah.
0: That's good. I was just looking ahead.
1: Thanks for uh, thinking that was good.
0: uh, I was thinking through some of the the things. Actually, something that you mentioned on Tuesday, but I think that's coming up in a little bit. So I don't want to jump ahead. So, um, yeah, I think that's amazing that God did it because he has this ability to love and he chooses to love us. And all of his glory, like we can stand in awe and just marvel at him. Um, So let's go ahead. We'll jump into the next question. Uh, It says, why was Jesus baptized? He wasn't. Uh, Miss joking, <laughs> he was. We talked about it this past Sunday, and, no, two and ago. Oh, we well, Yeah, yeah, a right, little right, bit right, right. this Sunday. We kind of brought it up. In, in fact, you even talked about, a little bit about kind of where we stand as a church. So I, yeah, I kind yeah, of want to yeah. dive a little mm-hmm. bit into that as well. But let me ask this question: it says, "Why was Jesus baptized?" The Bible says to follow Jesus and use him as an example. Jesus was baptized, and should uh, baptize should not we be? Mm-hmm. And I think that the, that's a good question. I think probably this question is in light of You had mentioned on Sunday that it's not, or Sunday and Saturday, I'm still getting used to that weekend. So you had mentioned over the weekend that it's not a necessity for you to be baptized to earn salvation. Like it's not a a prerequisite, like you have to do this and then therefore this happens. So it it kind of, the argument almost becomes, well, then why do I need to be baptized? Why should I be baptized? Like,
1: what's the value or the benefit of that? Yeah. So we talked about, uh, Jesus says, you got in order to be born again, you gotta be born of the water and of the spirit. Right. The two, those are two different categories. Some people have gone, yep, you got to get baptized in order to be born again. There's the water piece. They, they point to the, the you know, the water immersion or whatever. And there's some denominations, parts of Christianity. that I say, I don't want to be too offensive here. They, I think they get it wrong here. Um, In light of, uh, very specifically, uh, the thief on the cross. Obviously, he goes, remember me today when you get into your kingdom. Really important part of salvation. Understand that you acknowledge there's only one kingdom belongs to Jesus. He does that. And in that moment, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Meaning, he is going, that guy that we're talking about is with Jesus today. And we'll see him one day. And we'll get to talk about that one day. But he definitely, they don't go, oh, got to get down. Let's baptize you. Put him back on the cross, right? Right, right? He he dies, and yet we know he gets into heaven. And so that's a counterexample example to that, that statement that uh, you know baptism is a, is a requirement. So you go, okay, it's not a have to. It's a get to and want to. So you go, well, why did Jesus do this? It's not about his salvation. Um, the first one I'd say, uh, really simplistically, is uh, because his dad asks him to. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just foundationally, it's... Yeah. He is modeling obedience to the God of the universe. So if there's a God who created everything and He wired everything and He owns the kingdom, yeah. it wouldn't make sense. We would do what He says. We don't have our own kingdom. So, the first and foremost, it's really just that simple. That because God asked him to. By the way, Jesus probably traveled a you know half day, day, couple days journey to okay. get there. So, there is something pretty important, and I would say that's probably something we should notice. And. There's probably something significant that we should think about in terms of baptism. The second part is, that he says, in order to see the kingdom of God, experience the kingdom of God, you have to be baptized with water and the Spirit. And one of the things I talked about Sunday is um, that the idea of water, it's like, you know, the uh, when someone's about to go into labor, their water breaks. Now, we know it's not water, but we also understand that's kind of the language vernacular that's used. And I would say, I think... That's probably what Jesus is pointing to here. The idea that there's a, because he says afterwards, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. So that would be the, the initial, uh, you know, the initial yeah. birth, right? And so um, the good news for all of us is we've already met that one. Check it off your box. You're going, hey, I want to be a Christian. Well, good. You gotta right. be, He says, got to be born of the water first. Okay. Yeah. And then what he says, the born again piece is to be born of the spirit. Remember, right. The spirit reaches out to us. That's what we don't want to blaspheme against. It dr- draws us to itself. It invites us in. And so, it's really interesting if Jesus is going, okay, my goal is to help them identify with me, right? We talk about it all the time. Pastor Jeff, used to talked about it, again, shared a couple of weeks ago, Philip Yancey shares about the Jesus I never knew, this idea that, uh, kind of the illustration is uh, owner of fish are looking into a fish tank, feeding them, taking care of it, and going to their own aquarium and going, these fish never say thank you. Mm-hmm. They don't even think I'm good. Every time they see me, they see this shadow, and they go hide in, you know, in the, the lower parts, and so this guy goes, how in the world do I communicate to these fish that I love them? I mean, I clean their cave or clean their aquarium, take care of them, make sure it's the right amount of food, not too much where they die, make sure I put the right kind of fish in there so they don't kill each other, like all the things that are necessary. How in the world do I help these fish? know? because every time I show up, they don't say thank you. They don't understand it. They think I'm the bad guy, right? And his conclusion was the only way by which he could um, help them know that would be to actually become a fish and, you know, speak fish and ease, whatever it is, and swim amongst them, right? That, that understanding and so Jesus, because we look out and go, is there really a God who loves us? Wow, well, the world is take care of even like photosynthesis. Wow, we can breathe. Everything's you know aerated. All those mm-hmm. things. Right? How does all that happen? Jesus literally puts on human flesh. Mm-hmm. And steps down here and speaks our language. And so, what we see there is he's modeling what it's like to be, a, you know, a human. He's yep. having those experiences. He's born as a baby, which is just nuts, right? So he's born in that way, and he has all the experiences. And Hebrews just says, "We have a great high priest who intercedes for us, but he understands what we're going through." So you see all that happen. And so it's so crazy to me is so he's going to go. Let me show you all the stuff that's that's going to happen for us. You got to be born of water yep. and the Spirit. Now, here's what's crazy. We all go, we've already had the first one, all of us. All human history, we've all had the first one. We want everybody to have the second one, Mm -hmm. right? And we believe Jesus wants everybody to have the second one and receive that that gift of the Spirit, right? Now, Jesus does it backwards. He was initially born in the Spirit, right? So he's already checked one of the boxes too. But in order for salvation to come to us, guess what he's Mm got to do? He's got to step in and be born in the water. And I'm talking about be born as a baby, but also model what that Mm -hmm. looks like. And so he uses this beautiful illustration to declare what it's like to have the old person die, right. and I was just listening to Kanye West. Uh, he's on is an he airplane. Yeah, Listen that, and just he's came on out with he's one. on a plane, and James Corden is interviewing him. He's going, "How? Why do people believe you? Like, shouldn't they be skeptical?" And he goes, "Don't weren't you asleep? And didn't you wake up today?" And they're like, and he was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Those are two different states. Hmm. You were asleep, and then you woke up." And he says, "I was dead." Hmm. And now I'm alive. Like, I was asleep. I was walking dead. And now I'm alive. And so Jesus literally is modeling what it looks like to me. Kanye West, right? Yeah, no, that's pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> so he's what I was dead. And all of a sudden, my eyes opened up, right? And so it's like, I'm sorry about that. That was kind of crazy, right? But instead of me, that Pee Wee Herman, I don't know, did you watch it? Yeah, yeah I, I just didn't, didn't care for that. Right? So, uh, But in that moment, you see this deadness come to life. And so Jesus is modeling that. And he's the old Him. The old us, and then we get to live vicariously through what he does. The new us comes yeah. up out of life. And so I think that's a beautiful thing. And So is it, a, is it a requirement? No. But if we get to share the beauty of that, then mm-hmm. it makes sense. So, Which leads to the second thing of, okay, but I thought I thought we baptized babies. we baptize yeah, babies? Like, so
0: that was part of what I yeah. was, like for, for a lot of our people um, that come on a Sunday or Saturday, they maybe come from a Catholic background where it's infant baptism. Yeah. I mean, even just across different yeah. churches, you have so many different, you infant baptize, some of them you don't, like, full immersions, yeah, and, yeah. And, like, dipping, like, so how do we navigate that as a church? Like, how do we figure out, um, because we do both here, so yeah. how do we kind of explain that and talk through Oh, them?
1: yeah, thanks for asking, really, glad we're doing that. So I grew up Baptist, I used to think in the beginning, it's like, because we really love John the Baptist, and we just wanted to, like, tie it to that, but it actually comes out of the word Anabaptist, which yeah. means to baptize again. Meaning, there was a whole crew of people, particularly looking into the Catholic Church during the Reformation, all these different times, going, these folks were baptizing, but they were baptizing as a result of the have to. Not saying yeah. everybody did it, but the have to. We have to baptize for, for our son, daughter to be saved, right? right? So this have to model, and so what would happen is these folks would come later in their lives, and they their eyes would be open, like they were dead. They're living, and we going, no, no, no. We think now's the moment to get baptized and declare the goodness. You see throughout the scriptures, you see the Ethiopian eunuch, he has this understanding and immediately gets baptized. And so like it's immediately after that. So uh, a lot of folks see it. I agree here that this is a public profession and proclamation of this new you living. Kanye West going, my eyes are open. We're going, this is us, old us. No, no, we're walking away from that. Here's the new us. And so there's a beautiful part of that. No. Um, the other thing and, and uh, is that kind of, okay, then why do we baptize infants? Yeah, It's it a little complicated because in the scriptures, it doesn't explicitly talk about that. There's some consideration that what happens you see in the Acts where uh, it's a really neat story with Peter engaging with Gentiles. Those are people that weren't Jews, right? And, uh it says he comes to faith and his whole family does. And so it says they baptize the whole household. Right. So there's some assumptions that you go, whole household, if it's the whole household, there's got to be some babies it's in there. Some infants, yeah. So... Maybe they baptized them and you go, well, is it because they believed in Jesus? No, that's not it. And so uh, the reason we do it is not because we can find it explicitly in the scriptures, but if you trace uh, kind of church history. So we're 2019, trace it all the way back to the first century. You got folks like Tertullian and Polycarp and some other guys um who we can actually see in church history where they were baptizing infants, right? They were baptizing. Now, you can't dunk them in water. That's okay. a nice one to recommend, right? Um, but they were baptizing infants. So throughout our church history, these, now, by the way, Polycarp, he um, he was a disciple of, he was like mentored by John the Beloved. So okay. writer of, the, you know, yeah, Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, yeah, yeah. Revelation. So you go, okay, this guy, who walked with Jesus, by the way, sorry, that was, uh, sorry. He, he, he walked with Jesus. And so this guy is doing that in the first century. Then there's something probably to perk your eyes up and go, oh, this is, Probably something to pay attention to, and so as a result in church history, that's just been a, a something that's done, and I think it's actually pretty beautiful because there's two different baptisms: baptism of baby, baptism of an adult or you know teenager, kid, whatever. Um, where one is saying uh, in covenant, that's kind of the thought that God does all the saving. Yeah. So hey, as we have these children, we're gonna place them before the Lord and go, God you're going to do the saving. There's going to be the old them, and all of a sudden, their eyes are going to be open, and they're going to discover this, and there'll be a new them. And right. we want to go ahead and declare the truth of that now because we are so confident what the Lord does. Right. If God does all the work, we're just the witness. Let's just go ahead and start the witnessing now. Okay. And so it happens, and our church will do it as well. Let's just saying, God, we look forward to the day that you will save this child. Right. And we want this church, as a as a family to own this and go, God, we believe we're gonna to continue to point them towards Jesus. We're gonna remove all the obstacles, and one day that's gonna happen. And we're so confident right. we're taking the money to the bank now, right? right. Like we're right. we're so confident we're writing the check. And so yeah. we're so confident in that. And there's something beautiful about the faith of that. By the way, this isn't new. The whole Old Testament for those who really got this. You got people like Elijah and Daniel. What they were right. looking forward to was the day Isaiah, that they were they're looking forward to the day that God was gonna go, right. was gonna cash the check, right? right. right. They, so they're looking forward they're not going our sacrifices don't save us but we're looking for the day that there will be a Savior Jesus who saves us so we're kind of doing the same thing and the the infant baptism is looking forward to the day that Jesus will do it no the other side is um, the the adult baptism the immersion that we do now as as a model Um, it really is us declaring this is the day
0: yeah this is
1: the day so one is giving God credit in advance and pointing towards Jesus as the hero the other is giving someone an opportunity to make that declaration themselves. So we have people who, who do the infant baptism right? Break. You know, my family, uh, yeah, some of that's because we started in a, in a Baptist movement. Uh, we, okay. we, what we did was we dedicated yeah. our kids. We go, we want to dedicate our children to the Lord. We understand we're stewards. Yeah. As a church, we're going to do it's, that.
0: Yeah. I, I'm even, this might be a little bit yeah. of a stretch, but I'm even kind of thinking through the confirmation. So uh, Catholic Church, even Methodist Church yeah. uh, and Presbyterian Churches. Yeah. For the most part, do they'll do a baptism, but then there's also some type of a
1: confirmation. Yeah.
0: I feel like dedication and baptism, like when you do it differently, it's kind of the same thing, That's but right. in, yeah. in a different order. Like yeah. it's
1: just where the baptism
0: actually. So a baptism
1: post confirmation right. as opposed to pre confirmation, right. Right. which does probably lead to the question of, okay, does that mean I should get baptized again if I was baptized as right. an infant or not? Okay. Yeah, blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah, for they'll see God. So I don't know. Ask the Lord. Like. If you go, I'd actually like to declare this, my parents didn't get this, I didn't get this, and I would right. love to model this and go, what that was, I didn't know what that was, but it was the beginning of something that I had no idea what it is. And so now I would like to personally yeah. declare the goodness of right. God in that. Up to you. It's uh, not a have yeah, to, that's get to. And maybe yeah. and if it gets to one, two, I'd go, yeah. yep, email right. us, particularly Gary, Gary at CLCFamily.Church. Right. be happy to work through that with you, and we would be thrilled to celebrate with you. On a Sunday morning, usually on the second Sunday of the month, is that right? Yeah, second Second weekend of the the month, um, we uh, do baby dedications and baptism. So, there's a a third. Oh man, I'm confused. I think I believe it's second.
0: Yeah. All right, we'll go with that. So he's probably right. Um, uh, So thank you for kind of handling that. Just as we've talked about, a lot of churches will do one or the other. Usually, they don't do infant and adult immersion so we're in a little bit of a different place where we're seeing that God's at work in both okay. of those whether that would be you know as an infant or
1: as an adult in a full immersion and yeah, yeah. so we have some resources on that particularly yeah. like a couple page document very readable yeah. um, not too academic, um, that Gary can make available. If you're interested Go, in go, hey, I'd like to actually read a little bit more about this, interested in what we should do, don't know to do with our kids, we got a new baby, do we baptize or not? Uh, let let us know, Gary yeah. at clcfamily.church, or just overtime at clcfamily.church. Right. Either one, we'll get that, get, uh, get back to you and give you some information.
0: Well, so, we've got uh, 15 minutes. We're doing, 15 go minutes. We're doing well on time. I've got one more official question, and then Uh, We'll see whatever happens. I can do magic tricks. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Maybe let's hold that off for now, because I've seen your magic. Anyway, uh, here's a question. It says, Jesus said that no one can enter heaven unless they're born again. Does this mean that Jesus was born again? If so, why did he need to be born again if he lived a sinless life?
1: See, that's where I messed it up, because the baptism piece helps that. Yeah. Why (laughs) Was he born again? Well, he was born twice, just like we were born twice. We just... We just went in the wrong order, right? And so I think about for Adam, it's so complicated because he only he only got one birth, right? I mean, he just shows up as a full man and everything's perfect. I'm here, yeah. And so, and then you know, life happens for him and it gets a mess. And then God creates this plan by which He's going to redeem him and then gives him this spiritual new birth. And so, um, does Jesus have to be born again? Well. The interesting thing is Jesus is the model, right? So he's, you know, you can use the word archetype, arch-type, whatever you say, but Jesus is the new Adam. So kind of the picture is just as one man, Adam, Romans 5 talks about this, got us all into this mess. Another man, Jesus, gets us out of it. And not only does he get us out of it, he gets us into, that's the the thing, that's mercy, gets us out of it. But he gets us into the kingdom living, right? So um, was it necessary for Jesus to be born again? Absolutely. Because he's got to come and be... um, the um the one by which who pays all the price for that stuff. Right. So does it save him? He's always in right standing with God. Right, right. It's not his issue. It's that we're not in right standing with God. So it's going okay. If someone is already at the new place, like you imagine, I, I, let's come up with this analogy. Maybe that's works. Making it up as we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, imagine that you're in you know eight feet of snow or a eight, eight, you know a couple of feet of snow, and someone has left the house and already gotten to their destination. Okay. And you have no way of getting to the destination okay. right? you have no way to get there right but the person ahead of you has the tractor has the thing can do it I've already been down the roads knows a lot of stuff and so it's going well is it necessary for that person to come back well it depends if we really love the the people that can't get there yes it's necessary for him to get back so that he can then carry these people with him because he already knows the way so when jesus goes he was already in heaven he comes back so was it necessary for jesus to be born again for our sake, yes, not for his, but for our sake, and therefore I'd say yes, it was necessary for him mm-hmm. to, because God is perfectly loving and perfectly gracious. So, if my kids are stranded, and I am somewhere else, it is necessary for me to go get them. Right? Not for my salvation, but it is necessary. Because right. I am not a good father otherwise. Right, that's right. So it's so such so, so a complicated thing. Okay, this doesn't save Jesus, but it is necessary for him. Yeah. Because otherwise, he's not a good God. Yeah. And he's not a good father. Yeah. So it is like it's a requirement of God to reconcile this. So it's a requirement for Jesus to come and be born again, right. right? Of the water this time, so that he can then take us back. So it's for our salvation, but it's necessary because of his character. Yeah.
0: I don't know that, I, that makes any sense. Yeah,
1: no, I feel like that's a it's a great
0: question. It's yeah, something it is. to wrestle through like yeah. I don't know if it's true or like yeah. yeah. So, I think that that's Good, a good job. Why not ask so, some questions? Well, yeah. I, that's technically all the official questions mm-hmm. that we have. I feel mm-hmm. like I wrote down a few yeah. more more fillers if we need them, but um before I ask, I think I do want to ask the the one where did Nicodemus end up? Oh, but yeah. is there anything else that you want to uh, you know, anything else that was left out on Sunday or Saturday that you didn't get a chance to share that you wanted to kind of bring up here. Yeah, so I
1: really don't want to talk about the Nicodemus thing. But yeah, so I think um that's why I love this overtime podcast. One of the big dilemmas is how much do we review, catch you up to speed. Right. Want us to imagine that there are new people here every week. So if you're listening this we've ever been on Sunday, we're not gonna leave you behind on, on Saturday or Sunday. We'll make sure to do that. And so um so you get to the review and then you kinda of work through the scriptures and then there's some aha's at the end and if I would have had more time, I, I probably would have spent more time on that last piece of the kind of the um, the, the idea that we get new desires, mm-hmm. like something changes for us. So I want to talk briefly with you about what that looks like in terms of the Christian term sanctification. Because part of our concern is, okay, if I'm a Christian, then why isn't my life all cleaned up? Right. And we think right. we might not be Christians because our life's not all cleaned up. Mine isn't either but I'm better than I was before. And so let me give you some kind of understanding of that. So the first one you're going to hear more about over and over again, just have to get to want to just feel like the Lord placed it on me a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, he spoke it to me just in my gut. Never thought about, I haven't found anywhere, but I'm going, that okay. just explains this, particularly for the religious folks. You have to, no, you don't, you don't have to. In fact, the thought that you have to perform certain in a certain way to make God happy with you, that you have to do those things. is completely the anti gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is not about your performance, but eventually it gets to the place where you get to, You see. God God and all of his love and his grace and the fact that he came back for you. So it makes sense. You get in this car, right? You get to get in this car and go where you're supposed to go. So you have to get to. And then a, the beautiful piece of this is eventually, eventually I promise you'll want to Now, I'm not all there, but I'm getting there. So that's kind of the progression. And so there's two uh, ways by which I think it's important for you to understand. If you're going, I think I'm a Christian. I think I'm walking the Lord, but man, there's so much wrong. One thing I'll say is you know, I'm, I'm 38 came Christian at seven. Uh, so that was fire insurance, don't want to go to hell. Right. Thirteen, fourteen, I actually decided I would be pure till marriage, like big, huge thing in terms yeah. of hormones, going, I want to really please the Lord. And that was kind of the second one. And then um as an adult married, uh, you know, trying to work through all this stuff, kinda of this big moment where I'm going, No, no, it's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to walk with him, I wanna know him, I get to do this, right? And so that was a pretty big one. From that point to so seventeen, eighteen years, I feel like I've I've grown a lot in my faith, right? A whole bunch of my faith. And yet what's so weird is the closer I get to Jesus, the the more aware I am of how far I still have to go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that's the complicated thing. It's like, no, I know I'm still broken. And I'm like, ah, oh, why'd I do that? Why'd I think that? Why'd I say that? Like all the time. And it's like, I am if I, if I were to compare 38-year-old Josh to 21-year-old Josh, like I am, I am immeasurably better and uh, more like Christ than I was then. And yet, the closer I get to him, the more aware I am of my brokenness. So right. if you're in this spot where you're going, man, I just feel so broken and so yeah. messy. Welcome to the beautiful part of understanding how much we need a Savior. Yeah. And so the, the the first part of sanctification is coming to grips with understanding that you still have a long way to go. Yeah. But it's not because you haven't gone a long way, right? Yeah, right. C.S. Lewis says to never judge a person by where they are because you don't know how far they've gone. So the reality is, um, it's really important for you to remember where you were so you can go, oh man, boy, I am not where I need to be. But boy, have I made some progress here! So the first part of sanctification is just understanding that that is a painful journey that you will never arrive at to heaven. Right. Mm-hmm. So the the second one, this is I thing, is really really beautiful, uh, is this idea of the same the thing of the have to get to want to. Uh, we live in a culture, and I don't want to take shots at parenting and that kind of stuff, that um, is absent men in in uh, kids' lives. The dads have just done a really poor job of of hanging in there and staying in there, and so. Uh, you know, half of, of kids are kind of being raised in a single single mom deal. And while this isn't a shot, and this is generic, not the case always, but when a mom has to do both roles, it's unfair, frustrating, and boy, do you want to help a hey, hey, single mom if you're listening to this, watching this. We really do want to help. Uh, we have a bunch of families and couples that are kind of in the in the empty nester phase who would love to jump in and be some of that for you. Our church we got great leaders, great dudes who'd love to kind of jump in and help in those things. But one of the things that kind of see is on the spectrum of you got dads who probably are more about doing right, and uh, you know, and moms who are more focused on how, to, how does my kid feel, like how do right. I do that. And so and the problems is in this is that you live, we kind of live in this world where. Uh, we tell people to follow their hearts, chase their feelings. And the problem is with that is a lot of times that like, like kinda leads us astray. I mean, every like mean, there's some times I've I've chased my heart, followed my feelings, where I've wrecked myself and some other people yeah, along the way. for sure. And, then, and so um one of the yeah. things that you kind of see happen and I'm really working on this with my kids, is going, I understand that you don't want to. I understand that you don't feel like it, because that's one of the things I don't feel like it, right? But saying, But there's still a right and a wrong. So mm-hmm. I need you to do it because it's the right thing, okay? I don't want to do the chores. I don't feel like doing the chores. That's great, great. But what's the right thing to do? Yeah. Well, the right thing to do is to be responsible. And so part of the Christian faith is acknowledging that there is a right and a wrong and going, I am not going to choose my feelings. I'm not going to eat my feelings. I'm not yeah. going to, you know, I'm not going to feed me with my feelings. Instead, I'm going to do what's right. So part of that is going, I'm going to do what's right because it's right and not just because it feels right. Yeah. Because if we're going to focus on our feelings, we're in big trouble. But here's the really beautiful thing about sanctification. Eventually what is right. Will also feel right. Hmm. So when you start thinking, wow, I can't believe that. I never would have wanted to write those notes of encouragement. I never want to go to church two or three times a week. I didn't even want to trust God with my money, or I didn't want to pray before a meal. I didn't want to get up early. Yeah. I do not want to do those things. But you were doing them because it was you knew it was right, even though it didn't feel right, right? Because you're going, I need to create some new muscle memory in this. But I promise you, what eventually happens is what is right starts to feel right. Now it feels good to honor your marriage. Now it feels good to trust God with your money. Now it feels good to do those things. And so I just say, thats that have to get to, one to, part of it is you will start to see this increase of This really great place of what I would say is abundant living where Mm. what feels right is actually right. So, if you don't have that in every area of your life, start finding one of those. Like, man, it feels good to be a good dad, right? I know it's the right thing to do, and boy, does it feel good. So, I would say if you, I would survey your life and find a place that it feels right and you know it's right and just start celebrating that like crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. So
1: before we sign off, got about five minutes. Um, The last question that I had,
0: it was just simply whatever happened to Nicodemus, like how do here's this exchange that happens in John chapter three, where he's a teacher, he's kind of rebuked for being a teacher and not knowing what Jesus is talking about. Well, where does it go from there? Like, how does his life change or does it not change? Do we know anything about what happens to Nicodemus?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. And I think you know the answer already. I do. I do. (laughs) Um, But it's really beautiful because it's not like this big, like, it's not like a big billboard in the Bible. Let me tell you what happens to Nicodemus. Right, right. But it's also not obscure. And it is so meaningful because when Nicodemus shows up to ask Jesus, how do you uh, inherit eternal life? How do you get into the kingdom, right? He is in a paradigm that says have to. Yeah have to perform well and if i can't perform well i have to at least look like i have to perform well and i have to look like perception equals reality. And so he's in a whole group of people which he's probably the leader of the group yeah. teaching the bible or the old school the torah the old testament and explaining to people that they're supposed to follow the rules over and over again. So they held the market on morality. They actually held the market on how do you get access to god which was just the temple. Right. So Nicodemus was the gatekeeper of all those things. And so he um, and by the way his, his crew his posse like They hated Jesus. And that's a strong word. But I know they hated him because they decided to murder him. That's right, right? (laughs) And so Jesus stands in the way of all that stuff because Jesus is going, it's not a have to. You don't have to pay a temple tax. You don't do those things to get to God. What you'll see this week is that you can access God and worship him in the spirit and truth everywhere. It's not just in the temple. And so this is a, I mean, Nicodemus' whole livelihood, his whole identity, is wrapped up in this thing, and so John chapter three, he asks that, and Jesus goes, "You want, you want the kingdom of God? You can't even see it, and you can't even, you know, experience it or enter it without being born again." And so we don't see him anywhere else. And so I think it's John chapter nineteen. I still haven't looked it up again. Where Jesus really, really sad story. So Jesus has made this declaration that he's God, and told people they could follow him, and a lot of people have started chasing after that. And then kind of the moment of deep vulnerability for our world is Jesus dies. He's got these disciples that were close to him who basically walk away for a little while, go back to the things, start behaving like they used to, all those kind of things. And so he dies. The whole world turned dark. The temple, you know, curtain was torn and all sorts of happened, you know, earthquakes are happening. And then, then it's death. And at that time it was Friday night, sunset, well, after sunset, which is, in the Jewish rule, kind of the big moment for them every week is the Sabbath. That's where they do their stuff. So Saturday at, uh, Friday at sunset, the Saturday at sunset is the time where you do nothing. Right. You don't do anything. You don't work. You stay home. You don't cook. You don't do all those things. So this religious leader, uh, Nicodemus, at the highest level of the, the church leadership, um, is supposed to be sitting at home doing nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus dies. And because he's moved with such compassion at who Jesus is, right? he literally I'm gonna another one of the, the 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 leaders of the you know the Jewish church um they actually rebel I mean they didn't say we're going to be defiant but they rebel against kind of the, the top of the remember the sabbath keep right, it holy right. kind of thing so they're they're modeling in this that they don't believe their salvation comes from their behavior and they're willing to go against everything else in Jewish culture because what they do is they actually go and they get Jesus' body off the cross And they prepare him for death, which is beautiful because he's got to get in the tomb so he can come back two days later. But they actually handle his dead body. Which, again, that would be breaking more of their law. That's That's right. Can't touch dead people, can't touch bloody people, can't do all that kind of stuff. And so it is the, I mean, it literally is a complete 180 that happens in whatever that is, 18 months, two years, one year. Just this complete reversal of he goes, no, I don't have to do these things. I get to do these things. And now I even... Want to do things, things even if it means everything about my life is going to be up in the air. Now, yeah. by the way, it paid off for it, right? Yeah. Two days later, he comes back to life. Nicodemus is probably going to be a leader in the early church, and he is still with Jesus right now in heaven. Okay. And we'll get to talk to him about it. Yeah. So pretty cool. I can't wait to say, "Hey, what did you think when you're like being yeah. hey, born again?" He's like, "Well, I thought I'd go back in mama's womb." Yeah, you know? what was that process yeah. Yeah.
0: like of going from where you were to where you got to? Like, yeah. it's it's pretty amazing to kind of see the full circle. Absolutely. Of it. So, um, which yeah. is why you should read the Bible. Oh my yeah. goodness, it's
1: so, so beautiful what yeah. we get to see.
0: So we are pretty much out of time, so thank you guys for joining us. Uh, again, just a reminder, if you have any questions that you want to submit, you can do that by writing on the back of your bulletin on a weekend service and then just dropping that on an offering plate. Or if you email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. Would love to be able to kind of work through those questions. Can be related to the message, doesn't necessarily have to. Um, depending on how many we get, we'll try and work through all of those questions. So far, we're we're two weeks for two weeks of getting through all the questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so check us out, podcasts. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, CLCfamily.church. And yeah, that's yeah. it. Only yeah.
1: other thing I would say here is hey, thanks for the grace and trying to work yeah, through this stuff. Right. We're still trying to figure out all the audio. We want to make this. I'm helpful for you guys, and so we're going to keep showing up and doing this. Even as so, keep stumbling along with us. Can't hear the audio? Show back up next week. Can't see it all? Show back up. We will get this dialed in and figure out because we think it matters for you and us, and kind of want to do this together. So that's all I have. Have a great week. The rest of the week, we'll see you in two days. Right? Yeah. Whatever. And don't forget, you should listen to the Bravely Honest podcast. Yeah, that one. Do that one.